All right. Well, welcome. Um, and uh, it is nice to worship at uh, this place. Is, you know, the acoustics in here is really nice. It's kind of like singing in the shower. So all of you sounded extra good today. Our praise team always sounds good. Uh, but um, the rest of us, right, we sounded even better. So it's more reasons to sing and worship and uh, all of those good things. And we thank um, God for letting us uh, worship on a public place like this and to share the gospel, and uh, we're excited uh, for um, just kind of growing with the community and all these kind of open dirt patches that are just being built upon. Uh, yeah, so, um, and then there's no, like, lost, uh, you know, PE clothes from the elementary kids and stuff, like piles of that anywhere, right? So it's kind of nice. It's nice to grow up a little bit, right? So anyways, uh, we're in this section in James, and it talks about wisdom. You know, wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is not just the person who has a, a degree. You know, with Google nowadays, we have knowledge for everyone. Knowledge is cheap. Yeah, some of you remember. Some of you had the big volumes of encyclopedia. Your parents spent, you know, your future to go buy that for you to have because that several thousand spent uh, meant you have some kind of knowledge, right? Now it's all just at the tip of our fingers. But knowledge doesn't mean wisdom. Right? Wisdom, it takes someone uh, that has learned and has changed and is growing and uh, that acts a different way. So it's very different. And here in this text, it talks about two types of wisdom. Wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, it even describes it as demonic. Wisdom that comes from the world versus wisdom from above, right? And the wisdom from, just to sum it up, if I, you know, the wisdom that comes from below is wisdom that says, it's all about me. And it manifests itself in jealousy, ambition, and things like that. Whereas wisdom from above, it is all about others. It is a focus on others. And the description, and at the end we'll look at the sevenfold description that is mentioned. Um, and uh, we'll look at that. But first of all, this earthly wisdom, it's all about me. And it leads us to these two, it manifests in these two ways, jealousy and selfish ambition. Jealousy and selfish ambition, right? Um, it says here in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So James is saying the wise person is not the smartest person, is not the rabbi, is not the person who has the best degrees. The wisest person is one who lives it out. The wisest person is the one who does the right things, lives in the right way. And it says here, um, the two manifestations of this earthly wisdom right, is, verse 14, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. We all deal with this. We all deal with jealousy. We all deal with ambition. Ambition that is not godly. Ambitions that are wrong. We have good ambitions for our kids, and some of our ambitions are a little bit off. We have ambitions at work, but some of it is good, some of it's off. You know, there's people who work out, and they have great ambitions. Some of it is good, and some of it is just vain, right? And so we look at this, and it talks about these two manifestations of this earthly wisdom. The first is bitter jealousy. There was a, uh, you know, it is uh, Roosevelt who said that comparison is the thief of joy. Right? And you've probably seen that or heard that before. The moment that we look at someone else, 
the moment we compare something to someone else, jealousy comes in. Uh, there was a book written by two social psychologists, Galinsky and Schweitzer. And uh, they, they put together a study about this idea of how we deal with um, jealousy, how we compare ourselves often. And a couple of things that they point out. One is, is interesting. They point to a study uh, that was done at Emory University by Franz de Waal. And this is very famous. Some of you have probably seen this. Uh, they uh, put two monkeys, two little monkeys, uh, in kind of a plexiglass room, jail, whatever you want to call it, right? And they're next to each other so they can see each other. And the professor... Uh, studying the monkeys, had trained them. They'd given them little rocks, and so they would hand the person a rock through this little hole, and then the professor, uh, the, the researcher, would then hand them a cucumber, right? And the monkey would be so excited. So they learned to use it like money. So they would hand them a rock, and then here comes a cucumber, and the little monkey's eating a you know, cucumber, right, and it's enjoying it. And then he'd go to the second monkey, and the first monkey's watching, and then the second monkey hands a rock, and he hands him a cucumber. Both enjoying the cucumber, right? But one day they decided to mix it up and see how the monkeys react. So the first monkey, they take the rock, they hand them a cucumber. Right? And cucumbers have no purpose other than for you to dip into something tasty, right? And that's what cucumbers are for or to put on your face, right, um, if you need to. Um, and so, uh, but anyways, enjoying the cucumber again, they go to the second monkey and they take a rock and instead of a cucumber, they give them a big, Fat, juicy, sweet grape, bright red grape. Monkey gets his grape. I'm doing it in proportion, right? The, the monkey's smaller, gets his grape, and is just going to town on this grape, just drooling grape juice everywhere. And the other monkey is starting to get upset. And they show it, visibly gets upset. So the other monkey throws his cucumber back at the, um, at the other person there, at the, pers at the professor throws it at him, starts throwing rocks at him, and is throwing a tantrum in there. Because I want the grape. I was perfectly satisfied with the cucumber until he got the grape. We're not from monkeys, but sometimes we act like them, right? especially in this. And in that book, they, did a, uh, they point to a study, uh, not a study, but a case of a man named Scott Crabtree who was working his way up his company, up the corporate ladder, been there several decades, working hard. He was getting paid well. He had a nice position. His job satisfactory rate was very high. He enjoyed it. But what happened was all of a sudden they hire a new person. And the new person looks half his age, straight out of school. He comes in, takes this high position. And he finds out, and this is a true story, he finds out that the young person, the college grad, is getting paid the same as he is. And from that moment on, he hates his job. And to the point that he ends up quitting the company. He has been there forever. He was doing really well. But the moment he found out that that guy is getting paid more, he hated his job. And so this is true for all of us. And all of us could now list off personal examples of this. You know, you liked your house until you went to someone else's house. You liked your car until you saw someone else pass you in their car, right? We've all had that. You thought your kid was smart until they got and started school. And you say, boy, and we are in this. And you say, oh, geez, you know, why did we move to Irvine, right? We should have moved somewhere uh, a little bit easier, right? And so, but we all do this. The moments are, you know, my kid was born. They put her 
uh, put my daughters on a percentile. Why is she on a percentile? She is this percentile to all the kids in the world, right? And she is at 80 percentile in height and weight. That's good, but man, there's 20% more, you know, or, or it's below. And so we deal with this all the time. We deal with this in the church. I met a guy last year. I was at the Calvin Seminary um, studying, you know, over there. And I met a guy who was taking the same course as me. Uh, and uh, he was from Burma. So he was leading this Burmese church in Indiana area. And he told me about his church. And he said at the front of his church, right, he says every Sunday as you come in, there is a sign. And on the sign, it lists in order who gave the most offering the week before. In order, right? Can you believe that? As I was laughing in disbelief, I was like, what? And he says, yeah, the same guy is always on top. And he really likes it. And none of us could try to get there, you know. And he's talking about it. I said, are you kidding me? And I said, I would never go there, right? I, I, wouldn't, make the, I wouldn't make the list probably. Like, I, you know, what do you do? Um, but we even do that. We, we see that even happen in examples like that in the church where everyone wants to, hey, how are they doing? This is what I have. And, you know, the psalmist often complain about the enemies that God is blessing. Why is my life so hard when they're doing so well? How come I don't have this when they have that? And this is, this is true of all of human history. And so when we get here in this text, it talks about this idea of jealousy. You know, in Proverbs 27.4, there is this kind of progression from bad to worse. And it says, starts with wrath. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who could stand before jealousy? Jealousy is worse. Jealousy leads to malice, leads to murder. We've seen this in the Bible. Cain and Abel, Joseph, who is blessed by God, and now his brothers want him dead. We probably see it the clearest in the life of uh, King Saul and his successor, King David. Remember when they go to war and they kill Goliath and they have a parade for them and uh, they're chanting, they're singing as Saul walks through the parade. Saul has killed thousands. Saul has killed thousands. He's feeling pretty good. And here comes this young kid, David, walks in, and he's in the parade. And they change the lyrics of the song. David has killed 10,000s. David has killed 10,000s. Saul wants him dead. We've all experienced that. And he says the wisdom that comes from earth, it, from the world, you know, the passage that we read, it, it describes it as, man, it is unspiritual. It's demonic. It says it's all about you. It's all about you getting ahead. And if someone else gets ahead, it affects me. And this is what jealousy is here. If someone else gets something, it affects me. If someone else's life looks better than mine, it somehow wrecks me. Some of you woke up early to watch a wedding yesterday, right? Some of you ladies were thinking, I could have been that princess. You know, that was the, <laughs> I deserve that kind of wedding. And you're looking back on your album before digital cameras and whatnot, and you're like, it does not compare, you know. It should have been me. Oprah should have been coming to my wedding or whatever it is. I, it should have been me, right. And, and, you know, we could think of it in this way. Um, the second part he describes here is selfish ambition. So if jealousy is focusing on other people and their stuff, 
Selfish ambition is just focusing on me. Am I getting ahead? Am I being noticed? And so it's, it's kind of the same category, but the nuance is a little different. Selfish ambition. Who, it's all of a sudden, I don't care about anyone else. I don't care whose feelings I hurt. I don't care who I step on. I just need to get on top. Selfish ambition. And he says this is the two fruits, the manifestations of this earthly wisdom. The world says, yes, you need to be number one. You need to get ahead. And today now with social media, yeah, you need to get followed. Anything and everything to get noticed, it should be you. You know, there's a story of uh, two guys, um, two brothers, and uh, the younger one was always very jealous of the older one. He had everything more than he did. And uh, one day the younger one uh, finds a, a, it's like a, a, a vase, and he rubs the vase, and a magic you know, genie comes. I know this isn't true, but anyways, a genie comes out. So I'm going to grant you one wish. Anything you want, one wish. And he's like, now I have my chance. And so he's so excited, and he says, well, let me think about it for a day. I'll talk to you tomorrow, and he thinks about it. And we've all thought about that, right? If you had one wish, what would you do, right? And we've all think, boy, if I, I would do this, this, and that, whatever it is. And he has some ideas, and he comes back, and he gets the genie to come out. says, okay, I think I have an idea, because there's only one stipulation. Whatever you, grant, you ask for, I will give double to your brother. Right? He's like, what? And he says, I'll give him double. He says, I need another day to think about this. Now, he goes, and in his turmoil, the brother is thinking, 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 and he finally goes and calls the genie, and to the dismay of the genie, he says, I have one wish. He says, make my one eye blind. That's all I care for, right? You say, you look at the news today. And this is happening. I'd rather them suffer. I'd rather hurt them if it's not about me. And James says, you can't have the worldly attitude come and creep into the church. You can't bring that in. And, you know, I'm sure for a lot of you, you go to work and you are successful. You're working hard. And, you know, man, you are just, you know, getting measured by everything and all the reports and all the work that you're doing. And, you know, the world keeps saying to us, Boy, you're smart, so you deserve more. You work hard, so you deserve more. And that's the motto of the world, but the wisdom that comes from above is different. Bette Midler, a singer-songwriter, said in an interview, the worst part of success is trying to find someone who is happy for you. How true that is and how sad it is as well. But the wisdom that comes from above Phrases used in this text, the wisdom that comes from above, how I should now live. Wisdom from earth says, live for yourself. Live to get more than others. But the wisdom that comes from above says, you live for others. Not Verse 17, there's a list here. He says, the wisdom from above, and there's a list of seven. He says, this is what it looks like. And all of the list on the list it all is about how we treat others, how we deal with others. I'm going to just sprint through this seven, right? Uh, number one, pure. I'm speaking about our lives, morally blameless, right? Pure as we can be. Number two, peaceable. Loving peace, being a peacemaker. In our world today, we like fights and strife and this, but we ought to be a peacemaker, I remember my first year that I was married, right? 
Some of you think, oh, he's going to talk about like the marital problem. No, 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 this is something else, all right? So the first year I was married, um, every Tuesday, Thursday, my wife, you know, she'd go work out at the gym and I'd go play basketball. There was this little gym next to my house in La Mirada and we'd go play. And I remember um, it would get pretty heated and competitive, you know, whatnot. Now I can't stay awake watching a basketball game. But anyways, uh, it's a whole other story. Uh, but I remember going and there was a guy there. Um, he was an acquaintance because we played, and he was pretty good, and I was trying to talk to him. But anyways, big guy, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 250 pounds, big guy, good basketball player. Middle of the game, another guy, for some reason, was upset about something he did to him. In the middle of the game, he goes and he punches him in the face. He catches the guy by surprise, doesn't knock him down because he's big, and then he's stunned, and then he grabs the guy, throws him on the ground. He was a lot smaller, and he's pummeling him. And uh, I didn't even think about it, right? But I just jumped on the guy who was kind of my acquaintance friend. And I was like, get off. You know, and he was pretty big. And I pulled him off. And I broke up the fight. And the guy getting beat up was like, you know, thinking, looking at me like, thank you. I, I, I'm assuming. And I pulled him off. And I stopped the fight. And this guy's like, well, you, you know, you, know, you should have let me go at him, man. He deserved that. Ah, you know, I know. But, um, and I broke it up. But I remember, <laughs> I still remember everyone in the gym they all were mad at me because I broke up the fight. They're all like, man, you should have let them, you know, you know, why'd you do that? You know, wh who do you think you are? You know, like, oh, I'm a pastor, you know, like, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm just started. So I'm pretty zealous about these things. Um, uh, and I, I remember everyone was mad, right, that I broke up the fight. And some of us, it's um, guys, it might be the fist fight at a basketball game. For women, it might be the more civilized way of drama and this and that, and she said this, and I can't stand her because she said that, and, and we're in the middle, and instead of putting it out with water, just adding fuel, adding fuel. He says, no, uh, wisdom is a peacemaker. And so this is about others, thirdly, gentle. The tone, the words, man, if you have an, you know, a, a chance to just put someone in their place, but you refrain from that. Fourthly, is open to reason or reasonable. Literally means a sense of being gullible, but not in the, the idea of gullible in I believe anything. No, the idea is I will listen to you. Uh, we have horrible, terrible listeners in our day and age, right? I will listen to you. I will understand where you're coming from. I want to know, you know what it's like being in your shoes, and I will just listen to you. Fifthly, on the list is full of mercy, good fruits. Those are kind of combined together, full of mercy and good fruits. Um, it's something that is lived out. Kindness is another way to describe full of mercy. As Christians, we ought to be kind. Um, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, uh, being kind to strangers. Yeah, we ought to be kind to strangers. We ought to be kind to people that in our family. We ought to be kind to those that we work with because we spend so much time with them. We ought to be kind to those we worship with. We ought to be kind to, you know, our children, our spouses. We ought to be living in kindness. Random acts, small acts, big acts, uh, uh, intentional planned acts, whatever it is, it ought to kind of just define your life. The wisdom from above says you have been given so much and you ought to be so kind to others. Uh, sixth, it says impartial. 
unwavering, a person of justice. You ought to be that person. And we all know people like this. You say, boy, you know, I could trust that person with anything. Because they are just the right person. Hey, we all know people like this. Oh, that guy's kind of shady. I can't trust him with anything, right? You know, that guy is just very clever and he's just at the moment, but I can't trust. We ought to be the person who is not going to get swayed because of what people say. Because of convenience, they do what is right because it is right. And lastly, it says sincere. The word sincere in the original language is without hypocrisy. Back then, there were people who would fake it at church and live a certain way. Today, we have people like that. Things haven't changed. But the wisdom from God tells me, live. Be real. It's not about pleasing and conning people, but it's being myself, be real, and live in this way. And this picture, just to sum it up, this picture that we see here in these seven descriptions of wisdom above is a picture of Christ. Is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, who doesn't waver when things are hard, who is kind to those who deserve so much more, uh, so much harsh words, who is gentle in the way he deals with those who have made mistakes, who is pure, perfect, impartial, full of good deeds. Experience that. So my prayer for us is that, man, let's go against the patterns of this world. Wisdom from this world that says it's all about you. Hey, teach your kids all about them. It's all about what you have. You better have more than others. Versus to live from wisdom that comes from above. To have a view of people like God does. To have the heart of God. To run after that. Say, God, teach me that. God, help me to be like you. That is true wisdom here that we see. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and grace to us. We deserve nothing. You give us everything. So as people who have received so much, Lord, we now want to live that out. So help us to live that out. Heavenly Father, we thank you also for letting us uh, use a, a beautiful place like this to worship you. Um, God, on the weekdays, it's a school. Uh, but Lord, today it becomes your house because we are here and you are here with us. So Lord, our prayer is that you would bless this new chapter at our church. New friends would come. Um, God, that we would grow uh, closer to you. We would love our neighbors. God, you would fill these seats uh, with people who are thirsty in need of you, God. And Lord, that all happens uh, through your people here. So God, uh, grant us wisdom from you. Oh, how we need to learn how to live and act uh, through you, God. We thank you, and uh, we give you all the glory. We're grateful, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to give our offering, and... Uh, just as we always do, if you could take a moment, prepare that. You could uh, do it online or our app or text. There's instructions are in the bulletin. But let's give with a cheerful heart. And um, then Pastor John is going to lead us in some prayer and song, and uh, we will close our service. Let's sing and let's give. <laughs>